promise that I was taught when I was a kid by my father. Uh, we used to recite uh, Bible verses at, after dinner. In Psalm 103, part of Psalm 103 says, for as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love or his mercy towards them that fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. Like a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those that fear him. That's meaningful to me because uh, I know that his grace and mercy and forgiveness abound and um, I've, I've relied on that my entire life and I've been very aware of the need day in and day out during my life. God has shown me love and grace and mercy and compassion throughout my life, um, through difficult times, but more importantly through the people in my life, through my, my beautiful, very understanding wife, through the health and well-being and um, salvation of my children, and most importantly through providing me a way to eternal life through His Son. Amen. Grateful for Dwayne with the opportunity to share. And he's noticed he, he's celebrating his dad. And that's our, our hope this morning is just really encouraging our dads. I've noticed a trend in church world is it's often on Mother's Day. We talk about all the sacrifices and every, how great our moms are and how blessed they are. And then on Father's Day, more typically, it's, you know what, men, you need to step up and be the dads that you're called to be. Have you guys noticed that? And so instead of going that route of rebuke, I'm going to just take a moment and just say thank you, dads, for all you do. We appreciate you. We're grateful for you. And I know uh, we wouldn't be here without you, literally. So thank you, dads. But I'm not going to spend the, the whole time together just talking about dads because then their heads would get too big and that would be a problem. So instead, we're going to continue in our series working through different promises of God. If you haven't been here with us for that, we've really enjoyed taking a little pause this summer to slow down and just think through what are some of the benefits or promises that we're to be on the receiving end of as followers of Jesus Christ. You see, Scripture is jam-packed with hundreds and hundreds of promises that God makes to believers for us to enjoy. And some of them are about promises about the future and things to come, but a lot of them are promises for the present and how we navigate through this life and this existence here on planet Earth. And so this one specifically this morning is dealing with the promised antidote for fear. Fear, if you think about that, is probably one of the, the biggest areas that the enemy wants to take us out, one of his greatest weapons in the attack on a believer's life. And it's not just a cap gun, it's a legit 20 gauge. For those of us that have suffered seasons of fear or in seasons of fear currently know that it's not a light topic. So this morning we're going to address the, that as a, as, a, as a big deal, recognizing that it's talked about so much in Scripture. I was looking up this week, 441 times the word fear is mentioned in Scripture. Afraid is mentioned 167 times, tremble 101 times. So either way, it's a, it's a hot topic through Scripture because we recognize it's a big deal for many, if not all of us, in this room this morning. I was looking up a little bit at what a definition of fear is, making sure we're all on the same page with that. And I thought it was interesting, some of the definitions even in the encyclopedia, not that we use encyclopedias, but Google, uh, the, the, the definition I thought was interesting is that we're told that it's a painful emotion marked by alarm 
It's anxiety related to impending hardship, dread of an undesired encounter with a person or an experience. Those are are good things, but one of the trends that you'll see is that there's a, a pattern, a predictable pattern with fear. It's not usually based on something in our past because, uh, I mean, we have plenty of regrets, so fear is not really of the past. It's not usually with, with the present because if it's dealing with the present, it's usually attached to sorrow or maybe sadness. It's almost always when talking about fear, it's always talking about something that hasn't happened yet, Right? The fears that we, that, that, that we take on, they're usually attached to something that's, that's to come, and it's really a, a primal thing. It's not something that you have to train yourself to say, you know what, I, I could use a little bit more fear right now. No, it's, it's, it's what? It's something that, that just comes upon us, and it's something that starts at even a really young age. My, my parents were telling us the story of my older sister, Kathleen, and when she was just a, a little kid, I think she was under two years old. My, my, my mom was calling for her because she was in the other room, and one of the things as a parent that you get the most concerned is when you hear silence. You're like, any mom's been in that position? You're like, wait, I'm, there's no noise. That's not good. The noise is usually safety. But, but she heard, wasn't hearing anything, and so she's, Kathy, what are you doing? What are you, what are you up to? Well, Kathy had discovered this really neat thing called a tissue box. Have you guys ever tried them before? You can pull one out and the next one comes. Have you guys seen this? This thing, it's a new thing that they're doing with tissues. You pull one out, and she had discovered that, and just one after another, I mean, she was just having a heyday, so the whole room is just covered with tissues, and so, so she's, my mom's going, hey, hey, Kathleen, what, what are you doing? Or, is everything okay? And Kathleen's little voice says, don't come see me, mom. Don't come see me, mom. Mom, mommy, don't come see me. Because she had already, no one had to train her to understand that there's some consequences and the fe- often the future is something that we can be concerned about. It's often something that's a safety mechanism and a good thing. It's not always a bad thing. That's what keeps us from playing in traffic and, and, uh, and going out too far in the ocean. It can be a, a good thing, but often it's one of those things that can be crippling in our lives. I was thinking through some different categories of fears that we all wrestle through. I jotted down a couple. You can maybe add to this list. Fear of failure. I can't do this. This will never work. I'm never going to make it. I'm never going to succeed. Fear of losing someone we love. Maybe when I'm doing this, you can do your own inventory and thinking through maybe one of these that grabs you. Fear of losing someone we love. What if my spouse leaves me? I feel, I feel my kids drifting away. I don't know what it is in your story. Fear of losing not someone we love, fear of losing something we love. How am I going to keep up with this house payment? How am I going to keep up with these bills? What, what am I going to do? How, what about this bu- my business that just is, is just hanging on by a thread? Fear of personal sickness or pain. This is a, a big one. How can I, uh, what, what if this, this cancer comes back? How, how am I going to deal with this chronic pain? What if I never, ever get better. Fear of sickness or, or pain. Fear of, of safety. Fear of safety. We're flooded with that in the, the media this past week well, from the, the shootings in Florida to this. Did you hear the story of this crazy alligator at Disney in Florida? Like unbelievable. We were talking about that in our, our office. Like, man, how would you 
rebound from such a loss. Fear of safety cripples so many. Whether it's a, I talk to so many people who are like, hey, you want to take a dip in the ocean? No, I don't go in the ocean. I don't know what's swimming in the, those dark waters. Anybody want to admit to, to that as a reality? Fear is a, a real thing. Fear of safety, fear of unmet expectations. This idea of maybe where you thought you would be at this place in your life you're not quite there. Maybe this thought of, maybe, uh, oh, I, I would have thought that I'd be married and I'd have this many kids and I'd have this job and this white picket fence and all of these things. And you look at reality versus that and you're afraid that maybe the future doesn't hold that for you. All of these things, and you could probably add to that list, you could probably add your own list to that, but all of them can become unhealthy. It's normal to have some degree of fear but when it becomes a lingering fear, that's when the problem arises. Lingering fear becomes worry. Lingering fear becomes worry, and that's when it's a problem. When all of a sudden it consumes our thought, thoughts and alters our decisions based on what's kind of taken root in our life, that's the way that fear works. And too often, we give ourselves permission because it's so normal to say, well, that's just normal. I'm a, I'm a worry wart, or I'm, yeah, I'm a, I'm a worrier, as if that's a badge of honor. But nowhere in Scripture do we see an invitation to a life of worry. Like this quote by Louis Giglio, it says, Nothing steals God's glory more than worrying believers who are driven through life by fear. That's not what God has called us to. In fact, we learned in our study of Romans in the last couple of months, Romans 8, 15 says, For you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. It's not something that's supposed to be part of our existence. We're not called to a life of fear. In fact, talking about how many times things are in Scripture, fear not, 33 times. Do not fear, 37 times. Do not be afraid, 33 times. Think about how often God talks about the life of a believer, not to be marked with fear, yet it plagues so many of us. So that's our topic this morning, talking about fear, and more specifically, how do you break out of that cycle once it's taken hold of us? How do you break out of it from a biblical perspective? So we're going to look at just two verses briefly, walking through those, and how they apply to our lives and the antidote for fear. But let me pray for us before we dive in. God, thanks so much for this opportunity already to be in your house and celebrating you. I, I love seeing all of these kids up here and even thinking about so many of their little eternities redirected because of nearly 30 of them making choices to follow you this week. I praise you for the work that you do in the lives of little ones. I'm also confident that you have a word for us big folks too this morning. You want to teach us, that you want to grow us, that you want to stretch us in this area of fear, and that you want us to stop giving ourselves permission to live a life of worry, a life of anxiety. Your yoke is easy. Your burden is light. I pray that we'd embrace that this morning, that you teach us from your word on the antidote for fear. Pray this now in the strong name of Jesus Christ. Amen. So just two brief verses. We usually tackle bigger chunks, but I'm just going to look at two brief uh, verses, and I put them on the screen right now. And really, we normally make you look in your Bible, and you're welcome to follow along, but this is found in the chapter 13 of Hebrews, and it's kind of the conclusion passage, and it's coupled in the middle of all of these challenges for the life of a, of a Christian. 
It's actually just after talking about the, not letting money get a hold of ourselves, but it's a promise, I think it's a beautiful one. It says this, for he has said, God is referring to, I will never leave you nor forsake you, so we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? First thing we see there is the antidote itself for fear. Maybe notice it by reading it a few other places in Scripture. Put those up on the, the screen there. Genesis 26, this is audience participation. See if you can guess what this antidote is. Do not be afraid, for I am with you. Do not fear, it is the Lord your God who goes with you. Do not be afraid, the Lord will be with you. Fear not, I am with you. Fear not, for I am with you. You seeing any, any pattern there? What do, what do you think the antidote for overcoming fear? The antidote is God's presence in our life. The antidote is wreck, and it's not just as if it's sometimes happening and sometimes not. It's, it should be maybe better put, the antidote is recognizing God's presence in our life. Because it's not as if it's something that is, is there sometimes and sometimes not. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, he is with you constantly, whether we recognize it or not. And it's his presence that sustained believers for generation after generation through the most difficult of times. I love the psalmist, how he captures it in Psalms 23. You're familiar with this. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? For you are with me. You're with me. He recognized even at the lowest point, the the point of death, that's still the thing that we cling to. I was reading this week a little story about John Wesley. Does that name ring a bell to anyone? He was a a famous pastor and theologian and an evangelist. And there's telling the story of his last days. I always think it's interesting when you hear about somebody's last days on earth and how they, they lived them. His family had recognized that he, his, his health was failing quickly, so other, everyone had gathered around his bed, was with him just in those last moments, a lot, a lot of people pretty sorrowful. And he was literally having a hard time still at this stage of the game getting words out. So very difficult. But he was trying to say something, and everybody was leaning in to hear what he was saying. They couldn't understand in his weakened state what he was saying. So he, he all of a sudden, with, a, with one burst of energy, says one final thing. He says, the best of all is God is with us. After he said it one time, they're like, whoa, where did that burst from? The next, the, the, the next phase, he puts his hands up. And he's like, he, he's literally breathing his last, uh, last breath. And again, he repeats, The best of all is God is with us. He understood even in these last moments that most of us fear tremendously, he understood, man, even in those dark moments, even the shadow of death, the one thing that overcomes fear is God's presence or an awareness of God's presence in our life. Think about that on the opposite end of the spectrum, the time where God feels The farthest from us is when fear has settled in to our lives. Maybe speak that from your own experience. When you start to get nervous, afraid, worrying, you're like, man, I don't even sense God's presence, man. He seems so far right now because there's a close link to it. Because all of a sudden, when we're unaware of His presence, all of a sudden, fear has an open path right into our lives. You think about that. 
when we're relying on our own resources, then we come to the conclusion, wait a second, I can't do this on our own. Yeah, you're right. And that, that's, that's a healthy conclusion to come to, but so often that conclusion moves us to fearful thinking. Anytime you're thinking about a, a moment of, of fear and a, probably a legitimate one, I always think of the story of David and Goliath. I know you've heard that story since you were little, but I always picture that, man, what that would have been like as this little uh, young man, I, I don't know, size of maybe a, a high school student or, or junior higher, standing before this massive giant. Do you guys remember how tall he was? Nine and a half feet tall. Like You see these NBA players and they're like, wow, they're seven two. Nine and a half feet tall and massive battle-trained man standing there with full armor on, sword in hand, spear. I don't know what all he had going on, but I, I'm imagining you're seeing that view in, this, in this, this valley standing before you. Man, do you think your heart would have been racing a little bit? Absolutely. But the thing that I was thinking about with this is the difference between seeing the giant in the valley is the ability to look one inch to the left, to the right, to the above the giant, and all of a sudden, you see the God that fills the entire valley. When you start to see the God that fills the whole valley, all of a sudden, that 9.5 man is like, ah, not so big. That's, the, that, that's the, what he's saying here. You have to start, he says, for he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So whatever thing, whatever fear thing you're dealing with, he's saying, I'm bigger than that, and I'm present with you. Are you aware of his presence? I was reading this story about this uh, couple. They'd been married, were celebrating their 50th anniversary. They live somewhere down south, and they're driving in their pickup truck, and I don't know why, anytime I talk about pickup trucks, I start adding a twang to my voice. But, uh, but anyway, they're driving their pickup truck, and they're reflecting, and the, the, the wife was saying, say, man, I, I remember back in the day when we used, to, we used to have your arm around me, and we'd snuggle while we're driving on that big seat. See the twang? And, uh, and, and, and he, she said, whatever happened to us? Where did that love go? Where did, where did that go? I'm still staying with it, sorry. And, and the, uh, the husband, just quiet and calm, just says, well, I never moved. In other words, he's still driving the truck. He's still driving the truck. And I, and I think that's the perspective of God is just like, man, he's still driving the truck. Sometimes we have this idea that he's wandered and gone so far, and he's like, no, I, I'm still there. I, I, I'm not the one that's moved. That's, that, that's the, the awesome thing. So the antidote is God's presence. What I love about this is look at how, how it works in those verses. You can put that back on the screen for a second, that, that passage, the first one. Hebrews, for he, for he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you, so we can confidently say. Do you see that connection? Because he said this, now we can say this in response. There's a, a, a cause and effect because of this claim that he's promised, I'm never going to leave you. Now all of a sudden, he's, there's some things that we can confidently say because of that core truth that he's never leaving. Look at some of the things that it says. The first one I want to point out, it says, we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. Because he doesn't move, I can say, the Lord is my helper. And do you notice the tense of that? That's not talking about somebody else saying it. This is somebody that's speaking from experience. You want to know how you overcome fear in your life? Is you start to replay and reflect on the help he has given you. 
You need a best of video that you need to look back at on often that you start to see, man, look, I, I remember when I was this age and I, that, I was crippled by fear over that, but man, look how he proved to be faithful. Look how in that situation, I had no idea how our family was going to make it through that. Oh, but look how he provided. Oh, God, look how you provided that person at just the right time. Look at how you provided that provision. Look how you provided that escape route. When you start to look back in history, you start to be able to make that statement. You start to be able to say to yourself, the Lord is my helper based on my experience. Can you do that? So often we're too quick to forget the things that he's done, the faithfulness that he's displayed. And the ironic thing, one of the things he often does is he opens our eyes to the lies that our fear is telling us. Fear is a terrible predictor of the future. Fear is a terrible predictor. It's always going straight to the negative and it has this tendency to elevate things much larger than they actually are. Have you ever wondered how weathermen keep their jobs? Like seriously, like I've thought to myself, like what, what other job on this planet can you be wrong so often and stay employed? Seriously. Like a, like the, the, and if anyone ever comes back and says like, dude, you are so off. They're like, what do you expect? I'm predicting the weather. Like, a, you, you know, like they're, they're so off on, on the weather. Sorry if you're a weatherman. I'm sure there's a science to it. Uh, uh, but... But, but here, here's the, the idea. I kind of think of fear as if the weatherman is saying, like, oh, uh, th- this is going to happen. You know, as soon as this, th- then this, this, the snowball effect is going to get worse and worse, and you're never going to get out of this pit. That's the way that fear works. It tells us things. It predicts the future. And what you have to do is start to say, no, I've seen the past I've seen the track record of my faithful God, and I'm going to choose to say I'm not going to fear. Look at that next statement that we can confidently say. I will not fear. Think how much of this whole fear thing is a mental game, right? How much of it just kind of battles in your, in your brain. I, uh, I, I remember a season of, of fear in my own life. I was working at a church in Chicago and they, uh, they did something interesting. They were going through a kind of a difficult financial time as a larger church, and they made an announcement about six weeks in advance saying that they were going to be doing layoffs because of the financial position that the church was in. But they made everybody on staff wait those six weeks to find out who was going to be laid off. Anybody ever been employed by a job that did something similar? And you're, every day you're just like, well... Am I going to be employed? Is that going to like, uh, I, I remember my kids were still young, under, under five, and I kept thinking, man, what are we going to do? Like, that's going to be really bad if I'm, like, there's all of a sudden no income coming in. I'm trying to take care of our little family. And it got, as much as I want to say to you guys, like, oh, yeah, I'm a pastor. I just moved past that. No, man, it got a real foothold, man. I wasn't sleeping well. I remember just stressing over this thing, just kind of wrestling through, thinking of who I was going to take out if they stayed and I didn't. And, and, uh, and, and, and so you, you start playing through the, the worst case scenarios and like, man, uh, well, in our savings, we could probably make it two months, but month three, I don't know. You know, like your mind starts going all kinds of rabbit holes. Have you guys been down this road before? Have you been down that road going to the worst case scenarios? going quickly to all of a sudden the problem gets amplified way beyond the size that it should be allowed. 
That's the way fear works. And that's where you have to realize that this is a choice. We choose what we allow to come into our minds, and we choose what actually stays and what we reject. I love the claim. It says, I will not fear. The author there, most likely Paul, is saying, I'm not going down that road. I'm not going to fall prey to that because I've seen his faithfulness. We cling to what we know about God. And what do we know about God? We know he's extremely faithful. I really enjoyed this week uh, spending time with all of the kids. I got to teach uh, a number of days doing the Bible lesson for them. And I'll tell you what, it's funny. You go through these uh, different curriculum things and you're preparing. And usually anybody that's taught kids before, you're like, hey, that's supposed to be for kids, but that's what I needed to be reminded of. Anybody have that before when studying God's Word and, and dealing with kids? Man, I was, I was reading this this week, and we were talking about Matthew 6, and going through the Sermon on the Mount, and going through all these different things that were practical for, for kids to learn, lessons they should t- talk about. And one of them was trusting God with our fears. I'm like, huh, how's that relevant? And I, I was reading it, so just let this passage wash over you just like it did me for a moment here. We'll have it on the screen. It says, consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you? Oh, you of little faith. Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink? What shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, listen to these words, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious about or for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. What a great word. What a great reminder. I got to hold up a, a little lily or it was a, a little bouquet of flower and we we're showing the kids the intricacy of God's design in that flower and each little petal, all the design and work that went into that and how God sustains that crazy little flower even if no one notices it. It could be in a field and nobody's even watching and God's like, no, I'm, I'm taking care of that. And so the point of the Matthew passage that he's teaching on the Sermon of the Mount, he's saying, listen, if I'm concerned about those little things, he says, why in the world would you be anxious about you and your issues? You're created in my likeness. You're the the prize of my creation. You're the apple of my eye. I knit you together perfectly in your mother's womb. Why would you ever be anxious about anything? I'm the loving father. We need to push out the lies of the enemy, all the things that we want to fear has to, that wants to grip a hold of us. I, I love this idea. Fear contradicts faith. Fear says, if this happens, I won't be able to make it. Faith says, whatever happens, I will be okay because of my God. Really at the root of it, isn't fear questioning the sovereignty of God? It's a trust exercise. It's a trust exercise. The sovereignty of God saying, well, I don't know if I can trust God with this particular thing. 
I don't know if that he's, he's trustworthy. It's a trust exercise of his sovereignty, and he's proven to be faithful time and time again. And we learned last week that he doesn't test us beyond what we can handle. We also learned last week that he's watching carefully. He's going to pull us out when it's too much. We've also learned in previous weeks that, that he doesn't allow anything that isn't with our best interest in mind. That he, We've also learned that he's trying to shape us more into his likeness through our trials. All of these things you start to piece together and you're like, man, what room does fear have in my life? That's why he makes that last statement, which I will conclude with that, is what can man do with me? What can man um, do to me? What can man do to me? I love that, that attitude. One of the things I'm talking two times about my sister Kathleen this morning, one of the things that I love about my sister is I haven't met many people that really don't care much what people think about what she's currently doing right then and there. She's really not concerned about whether somebody thinks she's weird or, or bizarre. Or she, Do you guys have that person in your life? That person that really has no restraints, you're just like, whoa, what's she going to say next? It's kind of like a, an adventure just being around them because they, they really just don't care. Well, back in, in high school, I was invited to be on the homecoming court. I don't even know really what that means, but it was an honor. It was a big deal. And so I'm, I, I'm having to decide. I didn't have a, a girlfriend at the time. And so it was this big question, high schoolers, you can maybe remember this with homecoming. It's like, man, well, who am I going to bring to homecoming? So I'm wrestling through, like, what lucky young lady is going to get this invite? <laughs> and, and so no more of, like, who will actually say yes. Uh, but so I'm really struggling through this, and fear was gripping me. And I was like, oh, man, this is super stress stressful. My sister Kathleen, who's eight years older than me, keeps coming in. She's like, Scott, I'll totally go with you. I'll totally go with you. I'm like, are you kidding me? That would be like a like popularity disaster. Like that was like the, the worst possible idea. I'm not going with my eight-year-old older sister to homecoming. She's like, no, Scott, I'm serious. We're going to have a blast if you go. So, so I, I finally had to tell my sister, Kathleen, I am not taking you to my homecoming. There is no chance. But you know what the funny thing is? Now that's 20 plus years ago. I start to realize I don't really know any of those people anymore. I don't stay in touch. Maybe a couple that I see here and there on a great occasion. I was so concerned of the opinion of man. If I could go back now, I would probably take my sister Kathleen to the homecoming. You know what I mean? Like you start to see your perspective as you get older and you've seen more life. You're kind of like, Man, I actually know what matters a little bit more now than I did 20. I probably still wouldn't take her. But, uh, <laughs> but, 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 but here's the, the, the point. But here, here's the, the point that I, I make with that is when you think about it, 10,000, let's just go with 1,000. 1,000 years from now, what is going to matter out of any of the things that we're afraid of now? What is going to matter out of the, any of the things that has a grip or hold on us? You're like, really? Not a whole lot. The worst case scenario is something happens and takes my life and I fast track straight to eternity with Christ. You're like, well, if that's the worst case scenario, then what in the world am I really afraid of? What's the worst case scenario? That's what Paul was able to, to say that. What can man do to me? I'll tell you what, one of the big steps in overcoming fear in our life is starting to live with an eternal perspective on our circumstances. 
whatever. Like, it's not, what's the worst case scenario? What's going to matter in 10,000 years from now? I think we'd start taking a few more people to the homecoming dance than we would have if we had an earthly perspective, right? It changes everything when we think eternally. So all of these, I don't want to belittle this fear thing because I know it's something that, that gets a hold of people and it's, it's a challenge. I know from seasons even in my own life, it's something that can be a hard grip. But I'll tell you what, these are some legit practical suggestions. First off, recognizing God's presence in our life, that he's with us regardless, reflecting on his faithfulness, all that he's done for us, rejecting, making the choice to say, My, I don't have room for that thought. I'm rejecting that. I, I have a choice of what things play on this cin- cinema I call my mind. I choose which things get aired, choosing wisely with that. And then lastly, the thinking eternally. When I start thinking big picture and what's going to matter in 10,000 years from now, it changes a lot as to the here and now, doesn't it? So these are a couple thoughts from Scripture, from Hebrews, about overcoming our fear and the antidote for fear. Let me pray for us as we go. God, I thank you for how practical your word is, how it's designed to speak to us, to break straight through to the morrow. And the, the truth is that you didn't want us to live a life crippled by fear. You have so much more for us than that. I pray that this would even be a morning that some chains are loosened in this room. That the grip that the enemy has had on many would be released. We're so guilty of amplifying our trials, our things, and diminishing you. I pray this morning that you would be enlarged and our situation would be seen in a proper perspective. I thank you for this global, this eternal perspective that you mentioned that what can man really do to us? God, I thank you so much for your work paving the way for a a fearless life. I pray that we'd live that even going into this week ahead. In Jesus Christ's name, amen.